This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently recommended a pause on deployment of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine in light of a handful of cases of severe blood clots among those who'd received the shot. Some European nations have similarly paused use of the AstraZeneca vaccine after reports of rare blood clots. Both vaccines rely on a similar technology. The news comes as COVID infections in some states in the U.S. are starting to rise alarmingly, even as vaccination rates are climbing and more than half of U.S. adults have received at least one vaccine dose. We turn now to Dr. Stacey Dillon, family medicine doctor in New York, helping to educate the public on the virus and vaccines via her popular Instagram account. Welcome to the program, Dr. Dillon. Thank you so much for having me. So this particular news about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine echoing what has emerged about the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe has caused a lot of alarm. Some might say it's undue alarm if you look at the instances of blood clots among the general public. And now there are researchers saying that they might have found a link to this rare form of blood clot. How concerned should people be if they were either scheduled to receive it or have already received this? And in general, the vaccine skeptics among us, how concerned should we be? Right. So I think the message I've tried to communicate the most is just don't panic. Um, I think it's easier for us in medicine to understand that every medication that you take has some risk profile. And, um, you know, in this particular type of clot that's seen what's called a cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, it's actually incredibly, incredibly rare. So there have been um, around six cases identified and over 7 million uh, people vaccinated with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. At this time, there's no known clear link. Um, I do like to point out that in the initial Johnson & Johnson trials that um, were carried out with about 45,000 participants, there was uh, two cases of cerebral uh, venous sinus thrombosis, one who received the vaccine and one who didn't. This is a this is a um, type of blood clot that does occur in the general population. Um, uh, we see it uh, often in pregnancy. You know, there are a lot of other conditions that could lead to a risk of it. So um, absolutely, my message has been not to panic. If you got the vaccine, um, you don't need to worry about it. I think, um, you know, Dr. Fauci compared it to less than the risk of being struck by lightning. And, you know, these analogies can be helpful sometimes, um, sometimes not, but uh, it's a... What I like to say is that uh, right now, if I was offered the vaccine and it was the only vaccine that was available to me, I absolutely would take it because I think the real risk that we need to evaluate is the risk of actual COVID infection, which has extremely high rates of blood clots, strokes, um, among many, many other health problems, including all the long-term symptoms that you've heard about, like long-term lung damage, long-term heart damage, neurologic effects, and the risk of death and ICU hospitalization. So it's a no-brainer when you look at those two things. know that that hasn't exactly been the sort of sensationalized news headlines that we've seen. Right. I mean, it's really tough, of course, to assuage the public. Um, The CDC, uh, the uh, announcement of the pause on Johnson & Johnson uh, made clear that it was all women between the ages of 18 and 48 that have been the ones whose symptoms of blood clots occurred six to 13 days after vaccination. Interestingly, more women than men have gotten vaccinated, so there may be more vaccine skepticism among men. Um, And this issue of of the vaccine, uh, the dangers from the vaccine versus the dangers from COVID, do you think that the media hasn't done a well enough job of educating the public on just how dangerous COVID is? Because many people will dismiss it saying, 
Well, the survival rate is 99% if you catch COVID. Right. Uh, yeah. And I absolutely agree that I think that the media hasn't done a good job. And there have also been studies done that in other situations like wartime and these um, other situations with large amount of large amounts of people die. I think that some of us, it's hard for our brains to grasp those numbers, but we're, I think, at around 575,000 deaths in the U.S. from COVID infection. Um, and the 1% number is really flawed if you see that floating around. So um, it's about a 1.5% death rate across the general population. Um, in uh, people over 75, it's about a 10% death rate. And uh, we now know that um, as many as 20% of people may be left with uh, those long haul COVID symptoms that I, that I mentioned. So, um, you know, things that can be really permanently debilitating and serious. Um, and in addition to the risk of the need for hospitalizations and all the ways in which when hospital systems become overwhelmed, um, it's just not good for the safety and health of either you or your community. So um, I think that the number has become so large that we've begun to glaze over how, how truly serious and devastating this disease is. And um, when you just look at the risks of vaccine, again, a risk that we don't even know, uh, clearly uh, the risk with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, can be tied to it. Um, and those numbers that you mentioned, the young women in this age group, um, again, it's such an incredibly small number that we haven't made a clear link. Um, and I think that's why the process right now is being looked at. Um, the, the vaccine is being looked at and the process is ongoing because uh, the researchers do want to see um, you know, do we have, uh, is there a link uh, to young women in this age, or is just this just a coincidence because we don't have the data to see. So the process is ongoing, and I, and I expect that we should have some guidance. I know that um, this week the European, European Union uh, believes that there is a possible link to this and that there, that there is, um, that they are administering a warning. So what that warning might be is that if you have an underlying history of blood clots or you have an underlying history of these low platelets, um, that might give Or if you're you on blood thinners, right? There's some potential link with if you're taking blood thinners. Right. There's a certain kind of like plate, low platelet uh, account that, that happens with these types of blood clots that blood thinners uh, could worsen it. Enough time has been had for every medical professional that I know to be well-versed in, in looking for this and being aware of it. And I think that the good news in the, in the United States is that like there are other options still, and it looks like we have plenty of supply of Pfizer and Moderna. Um, but what's unfortunate is that this pause from the U.S. has also influenced pauses in other um, countries. So a great example is South Africa, where they paused the AstraZeneca vaccine um, for a similar reason. And now there's been a pause on the Johnson Johnson vaccine. And this is an area where we um, where we know that an, a scary and important variant, um, the B1351 variant, has come out of South Africa. And so even in the U.S., if we can think that we can sort of relax because we have enough Pfizer and Moderna to go around, this is a global pandemic. And it's really, really important that we get um, everyone vaccinated. And, you know, there's a lot of vaccine supply issues in the U.K. and the E.U. Um, and various places around the world. And right. so we it's, globally. it's it's pretty amazing. Canadians are looking jealously at the U.S. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has said that Canadians might be have access to the vaccine um, in general terms by September. Uh, we've seen news this week about India's COVID infections rising pre precipitously uh, with the uh, hospitals in cities like Delhi and Bombay being utterly overwhelmed with COVID patients and they don't have the 
access to the Pfizer Moderna vaccines as much as we do here in the United States. So it's really quite remarkable that there still remains vaccine skepticism. And speaking of skeptics this week, rock star and Trump supporter Ted Nugent contracted COVID-19. He, of course, is a skeptic of both the virus and the vaccine. And he said, I thought I was dying. I literally could hardly crawl out of bed the last few days. And he still said that he would not take the vaccine because, quote, nobody knows what's in it. Dr. Dylan, I know that you and, um, and many others like you often get a lot of um, angry re- um, responses from anti-vaxxers. I do that in response to this conversation. I can predict I will get many emails from my listeners who might call me a shill for big pharma, et cetera, et cetera. How do you, re- how do you respond to the anti-vaxxer sentiment in the U.S.? Um, so I actually don't respond to anti-vaxxer sentiment. I think there's actually an enormous amount of data that shows that um, that arguing with a hardcore anti-vaxxer is not going to get you anywhere. And the reason that I try to do a lot of science uh, communication uh, is because I think that there's a large swath of the country and, and also the world that has a healthy skepticism about a new technology um, in the setting of a of a completely unprecedented time. And so I think people have normal um, normal questions. And my job is to engage with those who have questions, who want to know um, what's safe for them to do to, to make sense of these scary headlines that we see and to provide the perspective of a physician uh, to let them know that the vaccines are safe and effective and are significantly more safe than COVID infection. Unfortunately, um, as you will be in your comment section, we're always battling an incredible amount of misinformation uh, floating around on the internet. And um, something that I've learned, which was outside of my field before this year, was that um, it's actually a very profit-driven industry of uh, anti-vaccination efforts, which typically at the end of the day, try to lead you towards something to sell you something like a herbal remedy or a diet as a way that you can avoid the vaccine. And so, um, you know, all of us in the science education community are really combating this continued onslaught of misinformation. And so I continue to tell my patients and the people who follow me that, um, you know, continue to look towards sources that are uh, major medical organizations that are um, uh, regulatory bodies in which uh, you don't have to do your own research, but you can look to the work of, of thousands um, of researchers looking at all of the peer-reviewed data. Right, because uh, you know, there's so many among us who think that somehow their ability to Google something is equivalent to your your uh, medical degree, Dr. Dillon. <laughs> um, you know, I also tell people too, don't trust just me. You know, like none of us can do our own research. I have a background in medicine and research, but I can't trust myself to sort of look through one paper and, and decide, you know, what the outcome should be. And that's why I and others rely on the work of these major medical organizations to to issue broader guidelines and uh, not to follow a Facebook headline or a clickable link, um, you know, but to, to find these trusted sources who will share that scientifically accurate information with you. Right. Um, There was an op-ed in the Washington Post this week saying this is the most dangerous moment to be unvaccinated. Do you think, do you fear that those among us who have yet to be vaccinated, maybe because they've chosen to kind of delay it, um, think that they, that there is enough herd immunity because there have been enough vaccinations so they can move around, let down their guard, not mask up and maybe not even get the vaccine? I mean, they are essentially the most vulnerable people in the country right now, right? The unvaccinated vaccinated among us? 
They really are. And I, and I really caution everyone. You know, I think when I was giving this message about uh, continue precautions, wear your mask, stay outdoors, stay distance. Uh, when I was giving that advice last year, it was harder to give because we didn't know when the end of it would be and it felt very endless. But I think that I can really reassure people right now that if we keep out those precautions right now, it will be a short amount of time that you have to do that. And I know that all of us are truly exhausted. We all have this pandemic fatigue. But right now, if you're not vaccinated, the virus still is circulating. And, um, you know, the the most uh, known variant to be here is the B117, which was called the UK variant, which is highly infectious is out there. So the more we can continue these precautions just for the next few months while the entire country gets vaccinated, you know, we're very, very close to a future that's um, that's going to be a lot better. But um, we are starting to see in a number of states, uh, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, uh, Florida, these uh, rates that are beginning to skyrocket. And I think that, you know, um, so that we don't have to go back to a period in which things are more locked down um, or we're starting to see hospitals get filled again. Uh, it's an incredibly important time to just sort of hang in there until you can become fully vaccinated. And as a reminder for the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, there are two doses and you're considered fully vaccinated two weeks after your second dose. So also a reminder, if you've gotten your first one, same way, not to, not to go wild, not to go crazy, but just hang on for a little bit longer. I feel incredibly relieved personally to be now more than two weeks after my second dose of my uh, Pfizer vaccine. Now, there, one of the things that you've been trying to educate people through your Instagram account is this idea of breakthrough infections um, and what those are. Uh, people who basically have become vaccinated getting infected. Uh, so let's end our conversation on that. What is a breakthrough infection? And again, how, why should we not panic? Right. So um, that's another scary headline we've been seeing. A breakthrough infection refers to uh, becoming infected with COVID after you're vaccinated. And so we saw in the trials about 94 to 95% efficacy against uh, severe disease and death for the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines. Um, and so that means they're not perfectly effective, um, but they are um, very, very effective. And, and if everyone remembers the um, initial uh, guidance from the FDA was that they would be happy to have a vaccine that was, they would approve something that was 50 or 60% effective. And we have something even more so, but it does mean in any vaccination with any type of vaccine that you think there are a certain number of people who may not get the protection that they need. And so if you've seen these headlines about breakthrough infections, it can seem really scary if you're fully vaccinated, but it's not cause to be alarmed. There have been incredibly small number of deaths. The CDC reports released a report recently that said there have been about 74 deaths um, in vaccinated people. And again, to contrast that with the 575,000 deaths we've had from COVID infection, uh, most of those vaccine, most of those deaths in vaccinated people were uh, elderly with many um, comorbid health conditions. There were a small number of people who um, needed to be hospitalized. And so um, again, keeping it in perspective, these vaccines work. They are not perfect, but they work really, really well. And so uh, the message is still the same that I just gave before that while circulating virus is still high in the community, even after you are vaccinated, it's still a good idea to take precautions, not only to protect yourself, even though that risk is very, very low that, that you would become uh, sick from COVID infection, but knowing that you could carry the virus, you could spread it to others. We're just in a few month period where it's a good idea to, um, if you're vaccinated, only be indoors with um, other small groups of people who are also fully vaccinated. Um, and if not, just uh, take those uh, gatherings outdoors, um, you know, wear masks when you're around others who aren't vaccinated just to be extra safe. But again, it's not, it's not a reason to panic. These vaccines work. And if you look at countries like Israel that have, um, that have had 
large rates of national vaccination, um, you've seen rates plummet. And I think this week they had, you know, a day with zero cases reported. Like it's absolutely overwhelming how effective these vaccines are. And we're just in this limbo period, but but really close to the to the home stretch. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Dylan, for joining us today. And uh, I certainly recommend your Instagram account for people who want to follow you on Instagram at Stacy Dylan underscore MD. We'll also post a link from our website to that account. Thanks so much and good luck to you. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. My guest has been Dr. Stacey Dillon, family medicine doctor in New York, helping to educate the public on the virus and vaccines via her popular Instagram account. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.